glad that you are with us. I, I haven't told a lot of stories and, and jokes lately, but I decided that I'd end the year strong. So I pulled out an old one from my files and heard this story about a mouse and a cat. They both died on the same day and went to heaven. Surprisingly, I, did, I thought dogs went to heaven. I didn't think cats made it there. But um, so the cat and the mouse get to heaven. St. Peter's there. He shows them around heaven and uh, says, hey, here you go. And they're both excited. He says, enjoy heaven. Well, two weeks later, he sees the mouse. He says, hey, what do you think of heaven? And the mouse is like, oh, I love it. It's amazing. It's huge. But, um, you know, I have a little bit of a hard, hard time getting around. It's so big. He said, yeah, let me help you out. He goes in the back and he brings out a pair of roller skates and gives the mouse some skates. Mouse takes off. A couple weeks later, he sees the cat. He says, hey, what, what do you think of heaven? What, what do you think? And the cat's like, man, it's amazing, unbelievable. In fact, he said, just when I thought it couldn't get any better, I discovered you guys have meals on wheels. Um, so, uh, so you're like, I'm glad the year is ending. We're starting new. Hopefully you'll get some new stories, Jared. You know what I want to talk to you today? I want to talk to you about red light, green light. I'll share with you what that means, but I want you all to stand with me. We're going to read this theme verse together. It's found in Proverbs 16, verse 9. Those of you joining us online, I want to encourage you to read it with us as well. Let's all read together. Ready? A man's heart plans his way but the Lord directs his steps. Can we try that one more time all together? A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. I want you to close your eyes. Lord, we truly want to live in 2019 knowing that our steps are directed and ordered of the Lord. So Father, I pray that you teach us your truth today. Anoint everything spoken and anoint each one of us to hear and receive it. Let us leave knowing that we've had an encounter shouted, amen. Amen. You may be seated today. I don't know about you, but growing up when I was in kindergarten, I played the game red light, green light. How many of you played red light, green light, right? I thought about doing it today in the service, but for the sake of time, we're not going to do it. But the way it works is you line up in the back of the room, right? And then the teacher will say, green light and people take off running, right? And then red light, they have to stop. And the goal is whoever gets to the front the fastest playing the game red light, green light. Well, I thought about that and it kind of reminded me of a story that I'm going to share with you in a moment. But I realized that a lot of us, as we go into the new year, we're here thinking about the new year and making resolutions for the new year. In fact, how many of you have already started making your new year's resolutions? Let me see your hands. All right, we have some people that have done that. How many of you have decided, I will not do that ever again, because by the first week, they're already all broken? Okay, I feel you. I've been there. Um, Question is, as the new year comes, here's what I think we all should ask is, Lord, what is your will? I want to follow God's will in 2019. How about you? Because I know that God has good things planned for me. He said, I know the thoughts I have towards you, thoughts of a hope in the future, thoughts to prosper you, not to harm you. God has good things for you. He has things he wants to accomplish in your life. I believe that all of us in, in our car, heart, in our core, we really do want to live out God's will in 2019. How many would say amen to that? But the question is, how do you find God's will? What is God's will in 2019? 
Do I take that job? Do we start that school with our kids? Do we buy that house? Do I get serious with that guy or with that girl? Do we start that business? God, what is your will in 2019? So what I want to do today is I want to give you some principles to help you discover and discern the will of God for your life. It's going to be a little different. Normally, I take a a theme, like starting next week, we're going to do four weeks on the theme, Bold. Because I believe God wants us to take bold steps. He wants us to pray bold prayers. And when I teach a series, I usually take a passage of scripture or a book. Next week, we're going to begin the book of Nehemiah. And we're going to go through the book of Nehemiah and learn what it means to be bold. This week, it's going to be a little different because rather than grabbing one passage and working through it, we're going to just grab some different verses. And I'm going to kind of share my story and my philosophy of life on how do we figure out what God's will is for me. So today, I want you to just kind of open your heart, and I want to give you point number one. The first thought today, if you're looking for God's will and how to find God's will for your life, let me give you the first way to do that, and that is live your life by keeping your foot on the gas. In other words, live with a keep your foot on the gas mentality. Now, now what do you mean by that, Pastor Jerry? Well, I recently talked to someone, and in the conversation, they said, you know, I was at a service, the pastor was preaching, and man, in the middle of that message, God began to speak something to me. And I'm like, well, what did he say? He said, well, here's what God told me. You've been living your life sitting at a red light waiting for me to turn it green. But I want you to live with your foot on the gas, with the green light, being watchful in case I turn the light red. And my question for you is you're seeking God's will for your life. Are you living life sitting at the red light waiting? Well, God, if you want me to do something, give me a sign. Well, God, if I'm, if I'm going to go back to school, then give me a sign. I, I have this feeling that rather God would have you and I to be people who would say, God, I'm putting my foot on the gas and I'm moving forward with life. And if you want to direct me, if you want to do something, then God, you'll show me. But I'm going to put my foot on the gas because I believe that life is a, about green lights, not red lights. You see, it's interesting because really, you can't really discover, I believe, the best way to discover God's direction is by moving out from where you are. What did we learn? We learned that man plans his his way, but God orders his steps. So maybe the directing is in the stepping. Because you can't direct a car that's in park. It has to be in motion. And so in the process of motion, then what happens? You set in motion your life, and then God is able to guide and lead you in that process. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, not the standing of the good man are ordered of the Lord. So to find God's will, you got to move. you got to put your foot on the gas. In fact, let me show you an interesting passage in the Bible. It's found in Acts chapter 16. Now, these are apostles who were with Jesus. And they're trying to discern where God wants them to go. They think God wants them to go to Asia to preach the gospel. So what happens? So Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia. Let me stop right there. Because it was really cold this morning, I wondered if Phrygia was cold. Just curious. Sounds like it would be cold. Like it would be near the North Pole. Have you been to Phrygia? I don't know, but make sure you take your jacket. Just side note. So they're on their way through, the, through Phrygia and Galatia, watch now, because the Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at the time. What does that mean? It meant that, that somehow 
Maybe it was circumstances. Maybe they couldn't get transportation to get there. Maybe the, the place they were going to go and preach the gospel was closed and they weren't able to use it. Maybe they got sick, something happened. Maybe they were diverted somewhere else. They were in motion somewhere, but when they tried to get to where they thought they were supposed to go, they couldn't go there. So what did they do? They didn't sit at the red light and say, well, I'm not going anywhere. And God, when it's time to go to Asia, you'll turn the light green. No, they headed through Phrygia and then Galatia. They kept in motion. And watch what happens. Then, coming to the border of Mysia, they headed north to the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. They kept on moving. So instead, they went from there through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. And while they're at Troas, that night, Paul had a vision. And a man from Macedonia, or Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him. And here's what he said. Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now look what it says. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God wants us to preach the good news there. You see, what's interesting in this story is they end up in Macedonia. All along, what was God's will for Paul and Silas? Macedonia. But they would have never made it to Macedonia if they hadn't started the journey. Because they would have still been waiting for Asia. But the door wasn't open. And I just wonder how many Christians are missing their Macedonia because you're still sitting at a red light waiting for Asia. There are doors and there are opportunities. God's will and purpose that he wants to release in your life. But I'm telling you, the key to discovering God's will is you got to move. you got to act. you got to believe. you got to step out because it's in the stepping that God starts directing you to his purpose and plan for your life. Amen? I love it because it literally says, so we concluded. Another, another verse says this. In fact, Acts 15, guys, I'm going out of order, but I love what it says in Acts 15, verse 28. And it says, I think they're looking for it, but it says this. It says, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. In other words, they're like, you know what? Based on the circumstances based on what kinds God's doing and saying, kind of what I'm feeling, what we're seeing, I think this is what we're supposed to do. Well, Pastor Jared, that sounds kind of unspiritual. No, I think it's very spiritual. Because what it says is, God, I'm going to trust that not only do you have the power to open up Macedonia to me, but you have the power to close Asia if you need to. Because here's the good news. When you step out and begin to go after God, he has the ability not only to direct your paths, but he also has the ability to close doors. How many know that God can close a door? How many know that God can slam shut a door? I've had it happen to me. In fact, let me show you that this is a biblical principle. In Revelation, he, he speaks to the church. The, the, God is speaking to the church, and look what he says. This is the message from the one who has the key. So it's speaking about God. This is the message from the one who has the key of David. What is that? What he opens, no man can close, and what he closes, no man can open. In other words, God says, I'm the God who opens doors and I close doors. In fact, in this church, he said, and I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You see, here's what I love is that if you trust God, then you don't have to sit and wait for him to turn the light green. You can trust him enough to say, I'm going on the run. I'm going on the journey. And if he wants to get me to a certain place, he'll get me there. And if he has to close doors along the way, he'll do it. Can I tell you that 
Higher vision is an open door because God closed a door. Many years ago when I was um, in, at a church, Devet and I were in Modesto. I was a worship pastor there and it was a, a, a church that was doing a lot of great things. And it just so happened that I went on a trip to visit another friend who was a worship pastor at that time at one of the largest churches in America, television ministry. I mean, it was another level of influence internationally around the world. When I got there, long story short, the, the worship pastor said, I'm leaving. I think you're the guy to take my place. I want to introduce you to the pastor. I'd already met the pastor before. We had an impromptu meeting. The next thing I know, I'm coming home telling my wife, I think God wants us to go be the worship pastors because the worship or the leader, the pastor there, he said, hey, I think you're the guy. You'd be perfect. Let's, you know, so suddenly I thought a door was opening. I came home and we started the process. I mean, we already looked at house. We're talking to friends. We're going through the process and suddenly God didn't shut the door. He slammed the door and he put nails in the door and concrete around the, the brace of the door. And a big, huge piano on the other side of the door. <laughs> and so, you know what I did? I'm like, well, I'm going to open that door because I can make it open. And so we start trying to open doors that God has closed. And the next thing you know, if I'd have followed that process, I would have quit the job I was at and I've lost the opportunity that I had there because I felt like, well, if I close the door here and if I quit here, then I'll be able to work this out and I'll be able to go to where I need to be. And you know what? Long story short, praise God, he stopped me from forcing, trying to force the door open. And you know what? Had I gone, I look back now, 17 years ago, had I gone through that door, this door would have never opened. Higher vision would not be here. You would not be here. 41,000 people that have been saved since we started would not have been saved. Orphanages would not have been built. All of these miracles would not have taken place because you see, here's the thing. Sometimes with the will of God, you have to understand, you have to put the foot on the gas and trust that he can close the door that he needs to close. Why? Because he wants to direct you on the path that he's called you to. But he can't direct you if you're not in motion. The directing comes in the stepping. Somebody say amen. amen. So the first principle to finding God's will is Put your foot on the gas. What does that mean? Apply for that job. Get an application for that new school for your kids. Get the volunteer packet to be a volunteer at Higher Vision Church. Sign up for Grow Track next weekend. Go to the blue tent and ask about circles. Start motion. Put your foot on the gas and watch how God will lead you to the places he's called you to. Here's the second principle. The second principle is trust your passion. Trust your passions. There's a verse. Now, this is one of those refrigerator verses. How many of you grew up in a Christian home and you know what a refrigerator verse is? Not very many. We got a few, about six or seven hands. Well, let me tell you, if you don't know what this is, this is when you grew up in a home and your parents were all into the Bible and they would find a verse that was like the family verse or the verse of the month. And what would they do? They'd write it on a card and then they would stick it on the refrigerator because it was a great verse to grab a hold of as your promise. Well, if you grew up in a home like this, I guarantee you this one was on the door at some point. In fact, many of you don't realize you probably know this verse. You may have quoted this verse. You ready? 
Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. How many have ever heard that verse, right? Come on, we like that one. We forget the first part, but we love the last part. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Woo, amen. Yes and amen. Every promise of God is yes and amen. Amen, amen, amen. He will give you the desires of your heart. I got lots of desires. Woo, God, let me get out the list. 21 days of fasting and prayer is here. We love that verse. What we don't realize is the, I don't like to use the word formula, but the the principle that's connected to God giving us the desires of our heart. Now, I'm going to give you what I believe the interpretation of this verse is and how God speaks to me about this verse. Some people look at it differently, but I'm going to give you mine. But I can't give that to you until I give you the context because you need to understand how to unlock the promises of God. How many want to see God release his promises, not just give you promises? So the way that happens is you have to really take a look at the context. Let's go to the next verse or the verse preceding it. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. In other words, stay in the place that God has called you to be. Feed on his faithfulness. So study his word. Delight yourself also in the Lord. All of these things are the principle. Then it says, and as you do these, he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, let's focus for a minute just on one part, and that's the word delight. The word delight is a Hebrew word, and let me tell you what it means. It's an interesting word. kind of catches you off guard because delight means to live softly. To be tender or delicate. So so what really this means, if you look at it all in context, here's what it says. It says that what I want you to do is I want you to be people who lean into a relationship with God. Not people that are doing your own thing. Not people that are callous and people that are hard and have your own agenda and your own idea. But delight in God. Get close to God. Feed on his word. Feed on his faithfulness. Spend time with him. Read his word. Delight in him. And what happens is that softness that you get in your life through that process is that once you become softened to God, he gives you the desires of your heart. In other words, what the scripture is saying is that when we really sincerely seek God with all our heart, It's not that he gives us what we want. He gives us the things we should want to want. So now suddenly your desires start to change. Now suddenly you find yourself saying, I want to help this person. Or, you know, we need to pray about getting involved in this. Or, you know, maybe God's leading us with our family to do this. Or maybe I need to go back to school. Suddenly now you can trust the desires you have. Why? Because you've delighted in him. And when you're soft in the Lord and he begins to interchange his heart and your heart, suddenly now you know that your passions line up with his will because he gave them to you. And if he gave them to you and they line up with what he wants for you, why would he not bring them to pass? Trust in your passions. I got to say, over the years here at Higher Vision Church, there's been so many times, and one of the things I pray on a regular basis, you know, when you're overseeing a ministry like this, and you have millions of dollars that you have to be accountable for, I, I want you to know, one day I'm going to stand before the Lord, and the Lord is going to call me into account for the decisions I've made, with His resources, with His people, with the vision, 
I'm accountable for that. The Bible says that be, be cautious of wanting to be a teacher because the, the level of accountability and the level of scrutiny to a teacher is much higher. Amen. So I have to stand before him. So when I pray, often my prayer is this, God, give me wisdom so that I can make wise decisions that honor your kingdom and your will. And so over the years, when it comes to decision-making, of course, I have a team and we talk things through, but we also have a board of directors and the board of directors are there to, with me to, to bring guidance. They're, they're basically my boss and they have to confirm major decision-making like purchasing property and things of that nature. A few years ago, and I'll try to make this succinct, but in, in a, a long story short, we had moved into this building, the church was growing, we were raising money to buy this building and for vision, and suddenly, after being in here a short time, the building next door, our new kid venture building, which is about to launch in just a few months, it's going to be incredible. I'm telling you, kids are going to get saved, lives are going to be changed, they're going to live out God's adventure at Kids Kid Venture. This building came open, and so we began to say, okay, God, is this what we're supposed to do? This is strategic for the church's continued growth for several reasons. We need more space for kids because we're growing. We need more parking spots. So we need um, more space. God, so we, we began to pray it through. God gave us some signs that this was a God thing, that we should take it over. And so we took over this facility. If you remember and you were around, I came to the church. Of course, I met with the board. They all said, hey, we agree. This is a good move. We need to do it. We did it. I came to our church and began to share the vision and started raising money for us to build out Kid Venture. Anybody remember that? You were around then, Okay. We began the process, the plans, building, all of that, and after we started it all, just a couple months later, I had one of those gut moments. Come on, have you ever had something that, like, you just in your gut, you just knew? You see, this second point, trust your passions, it's, it's really, if you're really sincere and close to God, you can trust your gut. And that's what I did. I'm like, and here's what my gut said, pause this whole thing, stop this building project, we need to stop it and pause it. So I went back to the board, and I'm like, guys, I, here's what, I, I, I have this feeling, there's some things coming, we've got our building, we have to purchase this building, I know we're supposed to do this, I know we started raising money, but I feel like God's saying we just need to pause it, um, and as soon as I did, they did their job, they started tearing apart my logic. They're like, well, that's a dumb idea. You're going to lose credibility with the people. You've already come to the people and shared the vision people are giving. They're going to feel disenfranchised if you pause the giving and, and then you don't see the end result quickly. And they began to tell me all the reasons why it was the wrong decision to make. And at the end of that meeting, I stood my ground and I said, guys, listen, I'm telling you, I know it doesn't make sense. I know it seems like a bad idea, but my gut, and here's what you need to know. God has anointed me for this job and I'm, I've always followed my gut. And my gut says, we got to pause this thing. And you know what they said? They said, okay, we're going to vote on it and we're going to back you on this, but let it be in the record <laughs> that the board of directors gave you a warning. But they said, we believe in you and we'll back you. And they did. Long story short, it's because we did that and because of some unexpected blessings in our contract that we didn't see coming, God opened the door where we were able to buy this building, and because we were able to buy this building sooner than later, because we wouldn't have been able to buy it till after like 2020 or 2022, we ended up probably saving anywhere from a million and a half up to three or four million dollars in the purchase of this building. Why? Because I trusted 
my passion. I want to tell you something. When you are sincere, that's why we start with 21 days of fasting and prayer. It's so that we can soften our heart. When you fast and you don't eat or you, 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 don't have, you do social media or whatever, you soften your spirit and your heart. When you begin to lean into God and suddenly you'll begin to find that you'll desire things that right now you may not be desiring. You'll have a passion for things that right now maybe you don't have a passion for. And I want to tell you that when you lean into God and you delight yourself in the Lord, listen, he will give you desires and those desires will be fulfilled. God has promises for you in 2019. So put your foot on the gas and trust your passion. Come on, somebody say amen. I'm just giving you my process. In fact, let me tell you a great prayer to pray. Psalm 139, and we'll bring it to a close. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I promise you, you pray that prayer every day, you'll be able to trust your passions. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Put your foot on the gas. Trust your passions. Here's number three. Believe you have God's favor. Believe you have God's favor. You see, I believe that God has called you. He's anointed you for your role in life whether it's a dad or a mom or a business owner or a teacher or a coach, a student, whatever phase of life you're in, God has anointed you. In fact, let me show you where the Bible says you've been anointed. And that's found in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, which says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Everybody say me. You're anointed by the Holy One. In fact, can I just tell you something? The anointing that's in you, the Bible says in verse 20, as for you, the anointing you receive from him, it remains in you. Now, what is the anointing? Let me first of all just say, the anointing in definition is simply this. It's God's favor and his authority to help you fulfill your purpose. It's that unseen power of God to enable you to do what God has called you to do. If it's being a dad, if it's running a business, if it's being a pastor, if it's teaching a Sunday school class, God has anointed you for that work. And here's the cool thing. Not only has anointed you to do it, but no matter what happens, it's still there. Because a lot of people, here's what they say. They sit at the red light and they say, no, 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 I can't step out for God because you don't know what I've done. You don't know how I failed. You don't know the mistake I made. But what the scripture says is not only have you been anointed, it's still there. In fact, let me tell you, this is what's really cool. You see, a lot of people think that Jesus Christ is his first and last name. But Jesus Christ is not Jesus' first and last name. The name Christ is the name the anointed one. So it's Jesus the anointed one. And here's what we know. The Bible says in Revelation that he stands at the door and knocks. And if we'll open the door, he'll come in. So when you and I receive Jesus Christ in our life... You have received not just only Jesus, you've received the anointed Jesus on the inside of you, and greater is he that is in you. Nothing can take it away, so even if you failed, even if you had a problem, even if you're in fear, even if you've been discouraged, the anointing to help you fulfill your purpose, it's still there. It's inside of you. You have the favor, you have the grace, you have the anointing of God in your life. It's there. 
And what I think God is trying to say is that we need to believe it. David, when David was anointed in the Bible, they anointed him to be the next king. And the Bible says from that moment on, the spirit of God was on him and people knew it. And here's the cool thing. What did David do? Well, he killed a, Goli- he killed a giant called Goliath. He defeated a bunch of Philistines. He wrote music. Right? He killed a bear. He became king. It didn't matter what he needed to do. Whatever he needed to do, he had the favor of God to do it. Why? Because he was anointed. You and I have the favor of God to fulfill our anointing. He knew it. When he saw Goliath, he's like, I got you. I'm taking you down. Because he knew he had the favor. He knew that he was anointed. He knew he had the power. Now, some of you, I know some of you are like, that's kind of old school, Pastor Jerry. That's OT. That's Old Testament. <laughs> what about new tea? Well, let's take a look at the new tea. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything. Somebody say everything. Can I just go real deep with you, the, the, the Greek? The, you know what it means? Everything. <laughs> God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. You have the power to be a Christian. You have a power to be a godly dad. You have a power to be a godly business leader. You have a power to teach in the Sunday school class. You have a power to be that Christian coach. You have a power to be an example in your neighborhood. You have the favor, the anointing of God in your life. So it's time for us to put the pedal to the metal and go after everything God has for us in 2019. Why? Because you're anointed. You have God's favor. Trust your passions. Put your foot on the gas. So I want to get real practical and end practical. This is a little bit philosophical, this idea of I'm going to be the person that's living life in movement, trying, moving, and letting God lead me. I'm going to, I'm going to trust the passions as I seek God. That he's putting that desire in me, and I'm going to believe that I have the favor. That's kind of philosophical. It's kind of a little bit ambiguous. So let's get practical. 2019, doors are waiting to be opened for you. I believe that. So what do we do with it? What if I I, I think I might need to do something? What do I do? What's the process? Here you go. Number one, pray. You've got to pray just to make it today. You've got to pray. I need to get some puffy pants and really work it. Pray. Start with prayer. Give it to God. Talk to him about it. Share your heart. Share your concerns. Share your faith. Talk to God. Prayer is an, a conversation. So talk to a, a God about it. Begin with prayer. Secondly, this is the part where most people mess up. Count the cost. A lot of people will pray, and then they'll move out and go after it, but they haven't counted the cost. What is counting the cost? Did you know the Bible says in the, in the New Testament that you're foolish if you say you're going to build a house, but you don't first count the cost. He said, what happens if you build half of it and then you realize you've run out of money and you can't finish it? And people drive by and go, that's the fool who didn't count the cost before he built his house. That's what Jesus talks about. 
And what happens a lot of times when it comes to something we feel God's telling us to do, we don't count the cost. You see, here's the thing about counting the cost. When you count the cost, then here's basically what you're saying. You're saying, God, I believe you're telling me to do this. I've been praying about it. And so I'm going to figure out what's the worst case scenario. If, if the worst case scenario comes and that's what happens, I'm okay with it. Because I believe you're calling me to do it. A lot of people don't ever get there, so here's what happens. The worst case scenario might happen because God has it a different way because they thought they were going to Asia and he was trying to get them to Macedonia. And so then they end up bitter at God and blaming God for a bad decision they made because they didn't count the cost. So let's get practical. You feel God wants you to put your kids in private school. I'm not saying that's for everyone, but let's just use that as an example. So figure out how much it costs, look at your budget, and what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is maybe as you look at your finances, I need a new car, my wife needs a new car, but we're not going to be able to get a new car for the next four years until we get our kids through school. If that's the worst case scenario, maybe God's going to bless me and we get this and that, but if he doesn't, this is what God's told me to do, I feel like, so I'll pay that price count the cost. And a lot of people get tripped up on God's will because they prayed, but they didn't count the cost. You all with me? Say amen. Come on, that's better preaching than your amen. And somebody say amen. Here's the third thing. Get counsel. Get counsel. So when you begin to pray about it, you begin to count the cost. You begin to get counsel about what to do. If you're thinking about investing in something, listen, go talk to someone that's been successful in investment, not someone that's had five bankruptcies or someone that's never invested anything. It's amazing to me how many people, they talk to the people that will convince them that they're right. So they're struggling in their marriage. Who are the people they're talking to? All of their friends that are divorced. Why not talk to the person that's been married for 45 years? Come on, y'all with me. That's why the Bible says that, that plans succeed with the multitude of counselors. The concept there is that counsel refers to someone who has expertise in that area. So it doesn't say plans succeed in the multitude of talking to people. Plans succeed when you get advice from people that know what they're talking about. So pray, count the cost, and get counsel. Y'all with me? Then what's number four? Test it. Test it out. I'll never forget when Devette and I were talking about planting a church. First of all, I felt like God told me to plant the church. I come home, I look at Devette, and I'm like, Devette, I think God told me to plant the church. She's like, you're crazy. Loco. That's crazy. Are you sure? We've got a great job. We, our kids got free school. Are you sure this is right? And immediately I'm like, okay, maybe this is not the right time. So she starts praying about it. Before long, guess what? We both agree. She sees it. I see it. We both feel it. We know it's God. So what do we do? We start talking to people that have planted churches or pastors and leaders. I went to my pastor and said, I feel like I, I'm called to be a church planner. And what does he say? I see it on you. I go to my dad. I see it on you. We talk to people who have experience and they start saying, yeah, and then you know the next thing that happens? I'm testing it out. And so I start talking to my friends. Hey, God's calling me to one day I'm going to go and plant a church. Next thing I know, 20 or 30 people have come and said, hey, we want to do it with you. 
If you want to plant a church, we'll sell our houses, we'll leave our jobs, we'll go with you and we'll help you plant the church. What would I do? What was I doing? First of all, I wasn't being Jim Jones and sending, you know, giving Kool-Aid. I, I, was, I was testing it. And I started seeing green lights. Started telling it and $20,000 check ends up in our PO box for the new church. People started saying, I'll help you. What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? God began to show Just like what did Paul and Silas say? It seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. I see the signs. I see God's hand moving. So when it comes to God's will for your life, don't sit at the red light and think, well, one day God will turn the light green for me. No. Get up and start moving. Put the pedal to the metal. Begin praying. Begin counting the costs. Get counsel tested. Then what do you do? You make your move. Step out. And worst case, you end up in Macedonia instead of Asia. Because maybe God has a different door, a better door than the one you're looking at right now. But if you'll go through the process, it helps you to not be so angry at God and really at yourself because you've trusted your passions and you've trusted that in the stepping God will do the directing steps of a good man good woman are ordered there are doors waiting for you to be opened in 2019 and here's some more good news there's some doors waiting to be closed to you. I'm so thankful that God doesn't just open doors, he closes some of them. If it wasn't for a closed door, we wouldn't be here today. So are you going to live your life at the red light 